talked about uh, why thankfulness is right. Um, can someone remind me what thankfulness is? The sort of component pieces that we broke down in the last two weeks. It's first the like the feeling of thankfulness and gratitude, and then the when it has to be directed towards a person who has like done something for you. Perfect. I have nothing to add. <laughs> um, and then last week we talked about why uh, thankfulness is right. So why is thankfulness right? Because God is in control of all things. Yeah. He sends it to those we'd actually be thankful for. Right. Yeah. And, and it's right. It's also just right because it is, right? Because he, because he tells us to be thankful. Um, but, you know, as we were looking at a little bit last week, we were starting to look into why it's right. And that's sort of naturally transition, transitions into understanding why it's wise, which is what we're talking about today, the wisdom of thankfulness. Um, for context, just to situate us, you know, we started looking at thankfulness as sort of the pivot, right? And then that it's right, and now that it's wise. And then next week, you know, we'll be looking at, you know, the, the portrait of, of, of a thankful heart. What does that mean what does it look like for someone to be a thankful person? Um, and then after that, we'll look at the, the fruits of thankfulness. Um, so, okay, so it's pretty natural that, that right things are wise. Um, God is pleased to kind of reveal to us parts of his plan um, as opposed to just telling us, do these things. I'm not going to tell you why. Just blindly follow me. There are parts of the Christian life where we are blindly trusting and following, but he is pleased to you know, reveal the wisdom of his, of his plan and kind of give us a glimpse of the, the puzzle, so to speak. Um, so we can, in fact, see through, you know, through God's character and works, which is what we talked about last week as the, you know, the ways that thankfulness is right, is we can be thankful to God for his character and his works, right? So we can see the wisdom of that. Um, we're going to kind of go over the three, I kind of had these three different components of the wisdom of thankfulness. There's the wisdom of a thing as like the proof that it's right. Um, Then there's the wisdom of a thing in terms of how it kind of fits into the greater whole. And then there's the wisdom of a thing in terms of, okay, we've decided this is right. We're going to do it. What's the wise way to go about doing this thing? And how do we do this rightly or wisely? Um, You think about like, you know, education as an example, right? If you, you know, are talking about why why education is wise first you're kind of arguing about okay it here's why it's right here's how it's going to you know fit into the greater whole of the child's life and and then once you've sort of agreed with each other okay we're going to educate our children then there's the okay well how what are we going to do next how are we going to do this how you know should we do this in a way that is optimal that is that is wise right um so first let's look at kind of we'll kind of walk through those things um I was talking to David about how I, the things I've taught in the past have been very math or computer science heavy, and I can always draw this nice linear pathway of if A, then B, if B, then C. And as I was trying to come up with my nice little diagram of this for theology, it turned into a big scrambled ball of yarn just tangling everything <laughs> together. And I realized, oh my goodness, this is, um, this is overwhelming, but in a good way. Um, so. Every single verse that I want to quote, I couldn't actually tie to just one part of the lesson. It's sort of, they all spill into each other. So I just had to pick somewhere to put each verse. Um, but I think that's uh, ultimately a good thing. And it, we, you know, we can go back over these verses and, um, multiple times and, and really meditate on them. Um, 
Okay, so you know, the, our, our book talks about you know, the wisdom of thankfulness starts off kind of talking about the, the rational person <coughs> thanks God. Uh, he's got this quote, that the universe is right side up when the one who does the work gets the credit, right? Um, and then we'll kind of explore, okay, well, why is it that God is the one who does the work and why does he deserve the credit? Um, he has this exhortation, so, so be sane, right? Um, <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's rational to thank God, be, you know, be, be rational. Um, so let's explore, you know, we talked last week about um, the, the rightness of thankfulness in terms of God's character and his work. Um, there's sort of a, a mirror to that, that that he talks about in the book of, of God's presence and provision. Um, and just like character and works can't be completely disentangled, presence and provision can't be either, um, but we can kind of look at it a little bit. Um, there's a great um, psalm that he quotes um, to kind of highlight those two things. It's Psalm 56, uh, verses 12 through 13. Um, David says, I will render thank offerings to you, so I will thank you, for you have delivered my soul from death, yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. So we see that David's thankfulness to God is for his, God's action, right, his provision from delivering his soul, and then also his presence, that, that he can walk before God and be with God. Um, so let's look also at Psalm uh, 147. I'll let you flip there because I want to read a little bit of this one. Someone want to read verse 1 and then I'll start with verse 1 and then I'll kind of skip around. Praise the Lord for it is good to sing our praises to God. Yeah, so it's it's fitting to praise the Lord, um, and as as we keep reading, um, we see you know why right he in in verses three through six. I'll just let you scan over that real quick. You know you see all these things that God has done. Um, so there's an explanation for why it's fitting that we'll that we'll dig into, um, and. You know, as as we go down to verse um, you know, verse eight through ten, right? So we see in verse eight, he covers the heavens with clouds, he prepares rain for the earth, he makes grass grow on the hills. So there's both this general provision, right? The rain, <clears throat> God lets the rain go on the, on the just and the unjust. But then in verse ten, he says, "His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of man." But verse eleven, the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. And, and then he goes on, and there's a transition to, you know, praise the Lord, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion, uh, for he, you know, makes peace in your borders, sends his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. Verse 18, he sends out his word. Uh, verse 19, he declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. What an interesting thing to make the ultimate conclusion of that psalm, right? Not the strong horses that can, you know, help you get your food, not the, you know, the grass growing on the hills, not the food, but the word of God, right? So that's ultimately the thing that we are ultimately thankful for, um, which is sort of a, you know, if you were to tell someone on the street, this is the thing I'm most thankful for, they're going to look at you funny, right? Um, Let's also look at Psalm 136. 
don't think we quite have time to read this whole psalm, but I'm going to speed read a couple parts of, parts of it. If you've read it before or, or recently, you'll, you'll maybe remember the nature of this psalm is that it's, it starts out, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks for this, his steadfast love endures forever. To him who does great wonders, by understanding made the heavens, made the great lights, rule over the day, the sun, moon, the stars to rule the night. And we could keep going, keep going, keep going. And after each line is for his steadfast love endures forever. And we're basically getting this journal, this chronicle of, here's all the things that God has done for you to thank him for, right? Um, and so we see his, I mean, it's, it's his presence and his provision in, the, in that passage. I'm going to come back to that uh, a little bit later. Um, Romans 8.28, we know all things work together for our good, right? Um, Philippians 1.16, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Um, let's see, I, I remembered that I queued one up. Second <laughs> uh, Corinthians 9, uh, if you want to flip here, We'll be back here a little bit later, too. Um, <clears throat> this is Second Corinthians 9, if someone wants to read um, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in your work. What a, what a good proof text for thank, thank God for everything, right? For, for Ephesians 5.20, you know, if, if that is, if God is making all grace abound to you for all sufficiency in all things at all times, how could we ever not have a reason or a cause for thankfulness, right? Um, we'll come back to that. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, as we've seen just through all of these things, we see that God is good. He's good in his character. He's good in his works. He's good in his presence and his, his provision. Um, and he also created a good world, right? When, when he made the world before we marred it with sin, he said, it is good. And I think we kind of tend to think about the world as, or the things around us as sort of amoral or neutral. And we see that someone can use things for good or they can use them for evil. And we forget that there is goodness inherent in all of the things that God has given to us, right? Um, one of my favorite uh, C.S. Lewis quotes, um, it's, it's, I think it's in the preface to Screwtape Letters. He talks about, you know, people, people who describe Satan as God's opposite. And he says, no, no, no. God, God has no opposite. No being could attain a perfect badness opposite to the perfect goodness of God. For when you have taken away every kind of good thing, intelligence, will, memory, energy, and existence itself, there would be none of him left. So, you know, he goes on to talk about how that's, you know, Satan can only mar, he can only, you know, sort of lessen or, or, or you know, smudge up the good things of God. Um, but that should really remind us that the things as God created them, the world as God created it, is good. Um, it's not a blank slate for us to, you know, go make our mark in or go, you know, uh, use for good or for ill. Obviously, we can use it for ill, but we can be thankful to God just for those things, you know, as they're given to us initially, or as we're born with them. Um, I, I had to give a little bit of a nerdy example here. Um, I, j just thinking about the 
our body, right? And you know, I think typically we only think about it when it's failing us or when our own sin has caused it to, um, or the sin of the world has, has resulted in a body that is less than perfect. Um, but, you know, our body has these 11 different systems in them, right, that, that, that all work in uh, synchronization to keep us alive and kicking. Um, those 11 systems have 37 trillion cells. Uh, each of those cells has at least one copy of the 3 billion base pairs of DNA um, that, that makes up you. Um, so that's you know 37 trillion times 3 billion, I'm gonna pretend I can do this in my head and not look down at my paper, is 111 sextillion DNA base pairs um, those plus all the other stuff that makes up those cells comes out to around seven octillion atoms in your body. Um, we're well past numbers that we can wrap our head around, right? Um, each of those atoms has some number of subatomic particles, right? Around 46 octillion subatomic particles total in your body, and then you can start going down into sub-subatomic, and, and, and we don't even know what's beyond that, right? And you know, I can say those numbers as, oh, these numbers are so big, that's mind-blowing, right? That's in one of you, <laughs> right? And, and it's, not, it's not how we think of it where it's just, it's there, or you know, when we, if we make something, right? If I, if I, make, if I am able to, to grow a plant in the garden or, or, or you know, build something with my hands, I'm taking two existing things and putting them together, right? And I'm not... Uh, controlling the construction of the underlying composition, right? I'm not making the cells, I'm not making the atoms, I'm just leveraging the fact that those things already exist. And so we can kind of think of our bodies that way. We don't think about the fact that all of those things, right, all of those 46 octillion, you know, protons and electrons whirling around in our body, those seven octillion atoms, those 111 sextillion DNA base pairs, those you know, 37 trillion cells, those 11 different systems are under God's control, right? He is guiding them, upholding their existence. He's spinning those electrons around in their various orbits. He's holding that you know, nucleus of the atom together somehow, right? That we don't quite understand how that even happens, right? Um, he's, he is guiding the, the operation of those cells, right? And, you know, thank God for that. If he were to stop doing that, right, if he were to stop doing any one of those things, any one of those, you know, 69 octillion things for each of us, we would stop existing, right? Um, that's a good, I think, transition to thinking about the fact that not only is he good, but he's in control of all things, right? Um, there's the Heidelberg Catechism quote on providence in the book here. Um, providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which he upholds, as with his hand, heaven and earth and all creatures, and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things, in fact, come to us not by chance, but from his fatherly hand. Um, that, that right there is, that's the cure to anxiety, right? Um, and that should be 
thanks-inspiring on its own. Um, but again, I think we, we don't think about that God is in control of all of those things. And, you know, I just get, kind of give this example here of, you know, imagine that you are a swimmer that, that, that swims for fun. It's your favorite thing to do. Um, you, you know, when, no matter how chaotic the world feels, when you get in that pool or in that ocean, you feel at peace and control. You are an excellent swimmer. You could, you could go Olympic if you wanted to. You are completely at one with the water, right? Um, everything. You, you, you've, this is where you go for your peace, for your pleasure, right? Imagine one day you get in the water and all of a sudden your arms aren't moving and you're drowning. You wonder what, what, what's happening. I, and and, and the, the frustration and the panic of not being in control that you feel when you're doing anything else, right? That's why you came here to swim. That's now engulfing even that one thing you care most about. Um, and then all of a sudden, there's a guy there right there with you and he's holding up your arms and he starts you swimming again and and then you're fine and and you're not drowning anymore and he's he's helping you swim and you know you you turn and look at him he thank you (laughs) you you saved my life and and i'm swimming again and i'm I'm back in my my peaceful moment right and he just kind of looks at you and he's like i've been here the whole time i i'm here every time you swim right and you stop and think about it and realize oh like Every time I've been swimming, he was the one enabling me to do that, right? That's just a little, I think, picture of what it means for God to be in control, right? That even, it's like, it's easy for us to say that we need to, okay, I'm going to trust God in these things I have no obvious control over, right? Politics, whatever, right? But even the things that we do think we've got on lock or the things that, you know, we thank ourselves for, really, are empowered by him, and we should be thankful to him for. A um, couple other quick notes on why uh, thankfulness is wise before we talk about being wise in thankfulness. Um, Proverbs 17 talks about you know, a joyful heart or you know, a thankful heart being good medicine. So you know, you've got a self-interest in being thankful. Um, and uh, thankfulness is, is fruitful, right? If you're thankful good things can, can come of, of that. And uh, we'll talk about that in, a, in I think, a couple weeks. Um, okay, so how do we do thankfulness wisely? How do we be wise in it? What does the Bible say about being wise or getting wisdom? Yeah, get, get wisdom, right? <laughs> Proverbs 4. Um, let's see, Psalm 111. I do have that one queued up too. Thanks, Jake. Um, Flip to Psalm, uh, Psalm 111. Someone want to read that psalm for us? Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused the wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. 
The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Thank you. Yeah, so... You know, at, right at the end there, we see, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Practice that, and you'll have a good understanding, and then you will be able to praise him rightly, right? Um, but then back up in verse 2, we see that, you know, the, the people who delight in God, who give thanks to the Lord with their whole heart, they study the works of the Lord. So, you know, we've already been doing that, um, but that is one of the ways to stir up thankfulness in our heart and to to be rightly thankful is to study his word and his works um, if we think further about god's wisdom right first corinthians says the wisdom of god is what yeah it's it's foolish to us right so what that can be a I think a helpful heuristic for evaluating our thankfulness, right? If we're getting too cozy with the way the world thinks about thankfulness, um, then we're probably doing something wrong. Um, what, what are some ways that the world slash our sinful hearts can get thankfulness wrong? I think we deserve it. Yep. So it's owed to me. Right. What else? Keeping it super general. That's good. You guys, yeah, I earned it. What else? Yeah, just it's it's just a it's just a means to an end, right? If I oh, I guess I'll be thankful so that I get more stuff, right? Um, if we think about it in terms of. Our, 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 our definition of thankfulness, right, that we are thankful um, to some actor, ultimately God, right, for some action or attribute of that actor, right? The, one of the ways we can get thankfulness wrong is we can be thankful to the wrong person, right, or we can fail to be thankful to the right person. Um, you know, we, we can think we deserve it. We can call something luck, just chalk it up to you know, the universe or, oh, you know, it wasn't anything I did, but it wasn't anything anyone else did either, right? I just got lucky. Um, uh, we can be thankful only for things we like, right? We talked about that a lot last week, talking about rightness of thankfulness. we just only thankful in good circumstances, right? Um, and sometimes we can be thankful for things we shouldn't be thankful for, for sinful things, right? We can be, um, you know, if, if we have a pet sin, that we are um, able to indulge because the devil or the world or our own hearts have presented us an opportunity, right? A sinful heart will delight in that and be grateful to themselves, to something, right? Feel a gratitude because our, our, our thanker is broken, right? Um, so those are all things that we need to be on guard over is what, you know, in terms of how we can be uh, thanking rightly and wrongly. What are? Can anyone think of some examples from Scripture of people thanking wrongly? The parable of 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, Luke 18, right? He's, you know, thank you, God, that I am not like these other guys, right? Um, I think uh, I think it's MacArthur who kind of highlights that this guy is not even really talking to God. He's talking to himself, right? He's th- he's thank you me that I am better than everyone, right? So that's wrong in that he's not thanking God, really, and he's not thanking uh, for the right things, and he's actively thanking for the for a, for a bad thing. Uh, what? Uh, any other examples? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was also thinking of uh, in Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool. You know, he sort of builds up his estate and then he's like, okay, I'm so great, but I don't have so much stuff. I need to build more stuff to hold it all. And then, you know, you fool this night, your soul is required of you. Right. So again, he's thankful to himself for his stuff. Um, Maybe an example of not being thankful when we ought to be um, would be in Job, right? So Job is blessing God in his hardship. And Job is careful to say in those chapters uh, that, that in all of this, Job did not sin against God with his lips, right? So it's not wrong that he blessed God in that hardship. Um, but his wife is, is like, what are you doing? You, you crazy person, right? Curse God and die, right? That is a sin of not being thankful in all circumstances, right? Um, okay, so, so those are some ways we can think about not thanking rightly. Um, but what do we, how do we flip that on its head and think about how to think rightly, right? And, and so we know God is present in all circumstances, and we know that he uh, provides good for us and that all things work together for our good. Um, so... I'm just going to read this Matthew Henry quote because he kind of says it better than I could. This is in his commentary on Ephesians, particularly on, 5, on 520, right, on thankful for all things. Um, so he says, you know, we should give thanks for all things, not only for spiritual blessings enjoyed and eternal ones expected, um, but for temporal mercies too, not only for our comforts, but also for our sanctified afflictions not only for what immediately concerns ourselves, but for the instances of God's kindness and favor to others also, right? Um, so I think that's really good to meditate on those, all of those ways and times that we can be thankful. Um, okay, so that's how we're supposed to do it, or, or sort of, re, you know, briefly how we're supposed to do it. But how do we actually tune our hearts to act this way? and to, to think this way and to thank this way. Well, we've, we've already said it, right? Seek his word, read his word, get wisdom from his word. So I want you to look with me at Ephesians 5, but let's back up from verse 20 to the beginning. And as we start, we'll be like, what does this have to do with thankfulness? And then it'll be obvious really quick. Um, so uh, in verse 3, he starts off, um, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk nor crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be rich theological debates or pure speech or, no, he says, instead let there be thanksgiving, right? Um, 
And he goes on, uh, for sake of time, I'll just kind of skip down a little bit. So um, in verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's sort of a, almost a roadmap, right? It culminates in thankfulness. And how do we do it? Well, we put off sin. We put on righteousness. And how? Well, ultimately only through the Lord Jesus and through seeking the will of the Lord in his word, right? Um, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you ritually, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, right? And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's come back to uh, 2 Corinthians 9. So we had read how that is sort of a proof text, right, for for God's uh, goodness in all things. God's able to make all grace abound. Um, Up in verse 10, we see, He, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity. And in context, he's talking about, uh, you know, the the cheerful giver, right? Um, For all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God, right? So we see that, you know, in this, here we're talking about generosity being sort of on the pathway to thankfulness. Um, Psalm 107, I think we looked at, we've been looking at that. I actually lost track of when we were looking at that. Was it Wednesday night we were talking about that? Maybe, maybe you were talking about it last week. Anyway, I've got a bunch of recent notes in my Bible. So anyway, maybe I was just reading it. Um, but Psalm 107, verse 32, um, in context, is talking about all of these you know, reasons to praise God. Uh, and then it says, let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him with the, in the assembly of the elders. And a few verses back, it talks about the thanksgiving sacri- the sacrifices, right? So there's this idea that the thankfulness is expressed in the worship of God with his people. Um, 2 Corinthians 4, go ahead and turn there. This is this great uh, kind of culminating passage on this. Someone want to read verses 8 through um, 15? We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what, is, uh, what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak, 
knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Okay, so let's recap. How do we be thankful God's way? Ephesians, no drunkenness or sexual immorality. Uh, Spend the bulk of your time reading a 2,000-year-old book written by a bunch of sinners. Uh, When you're not reading, sing at each other about it. Um, Give away money to pay people to tell you more about the book that you won't stop reading. Go read the book some more with people and sing about it. Uh, Suffer so much for Jesus that it's like you're dead. Talk about the foolishness of God being wiser than man, right? That is not what you would tell someone on the street is how you should be thankful, right? You tell them plenty, plenty of good things, right? Oh, think about your blessings, right? All these other sort of the, what we've been doing, right? Think, meditate on how God has blessed you. But wow, right? That is, that is a great example of God's ways are higher than our ways. This is not what we would pick for how to increase our thankfulness, right? Um, but it, ultimately, it's all based in God's movement first, right? His grace, and then our faith response. Um, look quickly with me at, uh, at Luke 17. Oh, actually, I had this one too. I almost forgot. <laughs> um, this is the, the parable, or not the parable, but I said this, this is the, the story of the 10 lepers. Um, you know, and as Jesus entered a village, verse 12, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. So here we see effectively the thankfulness and the faith equated or intertwined, right? It's our thankfulness is faith is thankfulness, right? So as our faith abounds and in response to God's grace, so will our thankfulness, so will our faith. Um, So really quickly, um, just in terms of meditating on all of this to kind of stir our hearts to, to thankfulness. We'll talk about this more next week. Um, John will talk about the portrait of the, of the grateful heart. Um, but, you know, how do we, what are some practical ways we can kind of achieve this uh, mindset of the wise is what the book calls, calls it, right? Being thankful in all circumstances. Um, I've got a couple ideas, but I want to, anyone have any, any thoughts, just practical things we can do? Well, that's okay, because I have some homework for you. So, and don't worry, I won't be teaching next week, so you don't actually have to turn it in. But if you go back to Psalm 136, right, um, think for a minute about what Psalm 136 would have read like to an Old Testament reader, right? These are very, very, very real physical realities to these people that, that God has done in their recent history. And it's chronicling 
all of these things God has done since creation, but all the way up through, here's the ways that God has worked in my life, right? Blessing me that I can give thanks for. So your homework would be, write yourself a personal one at Psalm 136, right? Go look at your life and see, you know, obviously we personally haven't been rescued from Sihon, king of the Amorites, or Og, king of Bashan. You know, we're kind of like, okay, I guess that was a bad, bad dude back in the day. God took care of it. That's great. But we can't really personally relate to that. But there is an infinitude of things and ways that God has blessed you in your life, has blessed us, right, that we can chronicle. Um, and we see that, you know, God's word gives us an example of someone doing that to stir up thankfulness. So I think we ought to as well. Um, one last thing, um, I was thinking about this last night. Um, so uh, some of you know I've been working on our fence. I've decided that I wanted to build it myself. Uh, won't comment on whether that was the right decision. Um, I also won't comment on whether or not choosing not to use a nail gun was the right decision because um, it takes a long time to do screws into the, all of the pickets. But one thing I was very, very, very thankful for is the existence of a fast uh, screw gun, which is if you've ever used one versus a drill, you'll notice, oh my goodness, it's so much faster to put a screw in with a screw gun than with a normal drill. Um, and I started just sort of dissecting that thankfulness that, wow, I, it's also battery powered. I'm, I'm thankful for this battery. I'm thankful for the people who researched battery technology. I'm thankful for uh, you know, DC current. I'm thankful for the adapter that allows me to take the AC current in my house and convert it to DC to charge this battery. I'm thankful that this charger is very, very fast. I'm thankful that uh, it's got a little clip on it that I can put on my belt. I'm thankful that I happen to have a little pouch that I could hook up to pile all the screws in, right? I'm thankful that, you know, somebody spent years and years of their life researching, um, you know, how do we make this battery hold more power, right? Um, and, and I think that can be just a helpful thing to do is just kind of intentionally go off on a rabbit trail and think about how is this little thing so maybe, you know, my temptation initially is just, oh, I'm thankful for this thing, right? But that can kind of explode into thankfulness for so many other things. Um, Mike Horton talks about how in our age of so much technology and so much um, sort of abstraction from, uh, you know, the, the physical means that we need for, for, for survival, it can be really, really easy to not be properly thankful for the little things, right? We no longer necessarily see um, where our food came from, right? Or where our um, warmth comes from, where our clothes come from, all of those things we're very detached from. We just assume I'll always be able to go out to Walmart and grab a new jacket or, you know, the power might go out, but it'll be back on in like a day max, right? Or in worst case, I can go out and buy a generator or something or, um, go sit in the car, right? You know, we, we, we take it for granted, and so we don't ruminate or meditate on how God has blessed us and is continuing to bless us in those things. So just, I think, taking a, conc a specific concrete thing, right, like that screw gun, and just sort of mentally going down the rabbit hole of all the ways that that shows God's blessing, not just to you, but through history, right? Um, so it's kind of a silly example to end on, but it was really helpful for me. Um, any closing thoughts?
doing the survey that you did of Ephesians especially, it really highlighted something that came out in Gregory's teaching as well, that um, thankfulness is so much more than just a verbal, a th- verbal thing. It's not just something we do in prayer. The way we live our lives is thanksgiving or not thanksgiving. Right. And that's another way the world gets it wrong is, is we... We tend to think of it as very reactionary, yeah. right? It's, okay, if someone does something good for me, I'll thank them. Or I'll right. Or, them. And I'll tell them, right? Yeah. But changing your life to show thankfulness throughout. Yeah. For that thing. Yeah. It's another story. Yeah. Thomas, also, I can't remember which passage we were reading, but someone talked about dying in Christ. As a Christian, we really, in order to be thankful, truly thankful, and for the right things and to the right person, we have to die. Yeah. Because our thanker's broken. Yeah. The flesh wants to be thankful for ease and comfort and yeah. nice gifts and yeah. skies and good coffee. Which right. Those are God's good gifts. Right. But really the, what we have to be thankful for is God himself. Right. And he is enough, more than enough. Right. So, But in order to do that and to be thankful for hardship and trial and, and just all the things that come with being in this world, um, we really have to die. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, if you're in Christ, you did die. <laughs> you don't have to live right. Life. Yeah. Yeah. You have already died with Christ. Exactly. So, yeah. It that I goes to something that I didn't really have time to bring out, which is just the sort of the difference in scale of thankfulness for the believer and unbeliever. Right. That. You know, we looked at all these ways that, you know, God is sort of reigning on the just and the unjust, right? There's this general provision, um, and that alone is worth, you know, lifetime of lifetimes of thankfulness, right? You know, and, and, and warrants an infinitude of gratefulness to God that we can never repay. Um, and then you add on top of that, well, not only did God give us all this good stuff, but we messed it up, and then he didn't just say, I'm done with you, Right? That, and that's where I think it was in, in Psalm 111 where you see that, or 147, sorry, the, the flip to here's the general, general blessing, general grace, but then here's my specific confounding, confusing, foolishness to man plan to redeem you and to proclaim it through the word of God in Christ Jesus. And that's ultimately the greatest thing to be thankful for. And it, and it goes back and it points us back to, hey, all along, the thing to be thankful for, like he said, was God himself and not the stuff necessarily. And, w- and what a blessing that he decides and chooses to fill our life always with things that can point us back to his character, right? Because he could give us just really, really, really hard life and say, you just got to trust me the whole time, and eventually you'll get there, and you'll see me face to face, and then you can thank me for, for my works, right? But, but no, he continues to fill our life 
even through the hard times, always with provision and presence so that we can see his character illustrated to us. All right. Josh, would you pray for us? Heavenly Father, we are overwhelmed by you.